Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hi everyone, welcome to an edition of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. I, of course, am your host, Bob, and with me today are... Hi, I'm Brennan. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And today we're going to go into a deep dive regarding the Road of Sin. Let's talk about the prelude that is in called Earthly Pleasures, Nick. Um, what about that? Uh, the uh, the prelude, I actually, I, I get super excited about the prelude. Goes over a, a story of this uh, young man who uh, kind of... Uh, uh, well, it's a it's a Zemis who's uh, this this student from Constantinople uh, that people may have heard of uh, goes by the name of Micah Vikos at this time. Uh, that person ends up going to a uh, a spring uh, festival with one of his cold dunes that he ends up running into, and uh, and and in this uh, this forest glade he runs into this person who's who's kind of sitting on this uh, this throne of. Uh, you know, different uh, wood and bone and things like that. He's got this wreath on his head and he's kind of dancing around, enjoying very lively uh, in this uh, this spring pagan-ish festival. And uh, and it strikes him as uh, as very interesting. He's, he's trying to understand why uh, why this person seems to enjoy their own life so far much more than he does. And and it draws him into this conversation uh, where they start talking about uh, you know earthly pleasures and ways of life and things like that. And the, and this guy uh, directs him to this monastery these uh these monks the uh Zantovich monks uh want to want to kind of give him this idea of uh of a different way of viewing life and and he goes and he meets this uh this father this monk father and uh and he's a emaciated very penitent man um cloistered robes You're and talking such about father petru right Zantovich? i am all right yep and uh, he uh, he brings them into this monastery, and and immediately the uh, the shroud is kind of thrown away of of what actually happens in this monastery, and uh, and it's a, a a place of carnal pleasures. It has the most elaborate scents and uh, and visual appetites strewn about. It has the finest silks, uh, the uh, beautiful people um everywhere that that you can taste of and, and enjoy uh performing levels of debauchery um that were mostly unseen of to uh to poor Micah Vikos at this time. And he's invited in to well uh to engage, to enjoy this thing. And uh and it, he finds this uh this person that does draw him in, this slender young man, uh by no means virginal in a place like this. But uh, but captivating nonetheless to uh, to to Micah. Okay, and okay. The, that's a it's good in depth, but let's leave some for the readers, right? For those who actually read that. And, <laughs> in a synopsis, though, man, it's a good overview, and clearly you enjoyed it. Um, what did you think about it though for the intro to this book? Do you think it fits and helps you paint a picture? I think it's uh, extremely well done, and only because of the of the very essence of the way that it ends, where uh, he's struck to engage in behavior to satisfy his beast. And as we go further on to kind of the, the ideas behind this book, they revolve around that central idea, which is giving into pleasures and, uh, and instincts and, and, and desires that come directly from your beast. 
I like that a lot. Um, just because this isn't a new book, right? We can we can actually reveal that pivotal point because I think it does put the icing on the cake to this book as a whole, right? A very controversial point, even. Uh, what does Michael Vickers do when he gets? Tell us that part. What is what is the big reveal? The big reveal at the end. Uh, well, because we'll jump right to the uh, to the the meat of this story. Uh, he he engages in this uh, this night of of dramatic physical lovemaking with this uh, this person, experiencing all these new feelings, these tastes, these desires, these pleasures, and uh, and as he's at this enraptured moment of of feeding on this guy, the thought crosses his mind where he's uh, he's set on a on a, a a virgins of paths. He could either let this guy uh, continue to live and uh, and stop his feeding. And and try this again, and come and try and uh, relive this moment. This uh, what has been the greatest night of his life. Or he can go the other way and and completely fulfill his desires and make this night impossible to reproduce, but also uh, impossible to forget. And uh, and he chooses the the left hand path. I guess is the best way of putting it. And, where and, we'll, he, and we'll leave it at that. I like that. Okay. <laughs> That's very good. He chooses left-hand path. Why that is, is why, let's keep it controversial. Read it to find out what that is. But we'll argue both paths anyway. Um, Mike, I happen to know you're a fan of why. Care to explain that a little bit? Yeah, so so Mike is in this, in this debauched brothel staring, and he's seeing all of these new sights and experiencing all these new feelings, and he gets to the end of this hallway, and he has this torrid night with the guy, right? And in the moment where this is the greatest thing he's ever experienced, he decides to snuff that out rather than embracing and preserve it forever, right? Someone else might've needed the experience that he just had. And further, you never would know what else he might've been able to do different than what he did that day with that person but he kills the guy. He lets him die. I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand. It's care uh, tackle that, uh, Brennan. Yeah. So I think uh, I did not question that at all because to me, ending uh, that that his lover that night was uh, ending the experience as a whole. Right. I think sometimes the only times you actually appreciate uh, a thing like a time you're spending with someone is when that's over. I think that's like a better a bittersweet ending that. Uh, caps the entire sensation and that's what i got when i was reading uh the intro story that he he will search for something that is similar but that experience can never happen again and that's the way he wanted it that's the way his beast wanted it and as for other people i think this is a path where they don't really give a shit about other people so i, I think that is in line with that I think that's a that's a good solid point on um, both sides of the fence, but I'm gonna I'm gonna trip you out a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's something that's been seen in real life. That's not new, right? When you get what's the danger of a stalker that somebody gets is the fact that they're so obsessed about that one person, the experience and the feeling they get that they feel that person's their world. They're the only thing in the world, right? For them, in case it's uh, in, in the worst cases, it's some guy stalking some starlet, and they have to be with them, close to them, smell them, whatever. They don't want to touch the starlet. No, no, that's that's like a sacred uh, mother-like figure, at least not to sully her. However, they don't want anybody else to sully her. And how do you do that? 
and they obsess in this thought and obsess in this thought and obsess in this thought. And then when they get to culminate, i.e. they're in front of her, somehow broken, whatever the situation is, they then chose to kill her. But then afterward, clean her up, pose her, and leave, and move on. What is that? You just said it, right? How is it that they preserve that moment, that feeling, that emotion for all time to never get back? And to them, they choose to end it completely. That way, she can't ruin it from some action she chooses, and nobody else can come along and outdo that feeling when you're not a part of it, which is the selfishness you were mentioning, Brennan. It's, it's both. It's the horrible selfishness of man combined with that bitter, um, utter sensation that the beast demands in its urges to be fulfilled. And when the beast wants blood, it, there's a misconception. I hear this a lot. My beast hungers, and so I'm going to feed what I need to to make sure they're alive. That's not your beast talking. That's rationale in there. That's not what's there. Your beast says, take it all. Take every bit. That sensation feels good. Do it till it doesn't. And then when it doesn't, you move on. And of course, when it doesn't feel good is when there's nothing left. And they're quite dead. And that's, that's what that's highlighting. The monstrousness of true pleasure, right? That's exactly what this book is talking about. And to me, the title Earthly Pleasures, Nick laid out perfectly for that. Now, in that, though, there's an author who goes forward to try to define what this is in chapter one on hunger and satisfaction. DJ, walk us through that. Sure. Um, so the author, um, well, to start the story from it, um, to let you folks know, this is from the perspective, of course, of being Micah and how he reads it. And he talks about this particular figure, uh, Tanit Bal Sahar, who was introduced as a bruja who at one point or another starts to question his individuality, his existence. Um, and of course, this being from time immemorable, he finally gets permission from his sire, who isn't revealed at this point, saying, you have the, the opportunity to go ahead and leave. And Sahar just travels the world. He travels all over the place uh, for many, many years until he finally settles in Carthage. Um, it's at this point that most kindred or Canaanites at this point would have believed, well, he had traveled so long, he probably went to sea. When in reality, he just ended up writing. He took all his worldly experiences um, and just started putting them on paper. Um, and after a certain amount of time, he actually gets in contact with um, Titus Venturus Camillus, otherwise known as Camilla, the Prince of Rome, and starts to have a debate back and forth. There's conversation that's had, and this philosophical exchange uh, sparks the invitation for Camilla to invite um, Tanit Balsahar over to Rome. Um, the trip is made, and when they do, it's it, it's the beginning of something beautiful for them. Um, because what ends up happening is between Camilla and Tanit Ball, um, they'll start to create what was known as um, the book of on its hunger and satisfactions. They also start introducing other characters that create this coterie, um, being of course uh, Servius Marius Pistula, who happens to be Nosferatu, and Anconia uh, Messalina, who's a Sombra. Um, and through this, they start sharing information in terms of what would eventually become that road of desire, you know, what, what starts to espouse it. Um, time will pass, you know, as we are able to see it here. And Sahara gets a message and says that he has to go. And he's summoned, literally quite summoned, um, back. And at some point, uh, no one could find him. He, he was sent off with a, a bodyguard group sent by Camilla. And the ship goes missing in the water. Um, and what this does is that it causes... Uh, a, it causes Camilla and Pastula to become quite upset at this. They think it's a setup. And especially because at this moment in time, uh, we're taking a look at how Canaanites um, had operated. There's people who are on the road of kings, people on the road of heaven. And to have this upstart um, create this road of desire, it almost seems like it was set up, which then creates 
you know, various amounts of conflict in the background. Um, and at this point as well, we, we start taking a look at the tenants of the road. Now, the tenants of the road are, um, just to go very quickly over them, nothing is truly forbidden. You are a slave to no one in that particular case. Claim the beast, do not fall to it, which is pretty much like your beast only wants what you already wanted. Um, the night is yours. Do with it as you will. You know, do you express yourself otherwise or what's the point? Act when others hesitate for the law no longer binds you, which goes along the line of taking risks. And in your heart lies a source of pleasure. And if you have the courage to seek it, um, which is another way to kind of express yourself with it. Um, Bob, I, I mean, I know that you had some firmer points on it. Would you be able to extrapolate them on a little bit more? Well, in terms of firmer points, I think you outlined it pretty, pretty good as is, right? The whole point of the ethics of the road, um, nothing being truly forbidden is absolutely what it means, but it's kind of hard, right? Um, there's, there's a comment made about uh, canines, you know, they have the right of natural law of self-determination. They get to choose what it is that they choose to worship and not. And I think this is where the philosophy develops. Most paths do something like this. There's ethics given, and then they're talked to death. And they have to be. This is the morality of vampires, right? Or the morality of the damned, or at least this particular group. Then you have claim the beast, do not fall to it, right? Canites must acknowledge that the beast is a part of themselves and to master it, right? Except don't trap it. That's what's unique. When you master the beast, the assumption any other path damn near will tell you is to control it, save one. And that one is Road of the Beast. Road of the Beast tells you to have restriction when needed. There's, there's the wild, mindless animal rampaging through the woods will be put down because it neither knows restraint and neither knows its purpose. And that's sort of the perspective of Road of the Beast and why they do show some restraint. But when they have to fight or have to, when they frenzy, they needed to. And so they trust in the beast to see it through. This is the same philosophy turned on its head. In their eyes, whatever they experience, if the beast wants it and urges them towards something, they explore it. They have it. They see it through, and if they like it, they repeat it. They keep doing it. And before you know it, or probably that very night, when they start feeling the urges and go with it, the beast doesn't need to take over. Right? You learn to exist with it because it is you. And because of that, that's one of their culminating things. And that's hard to train somebody to do. And they, and they mention it, right? How do you say that? And then expect it to happen. That's sort of the, the, the key points of the path to me at the immediate. Everything else I could call, I could even consider it to be fluffy quite a bit, right? Um, the comment I'm going to steal from Nick that he had made uh, previously earlier was that this definitely speaks of Levain Satanism. Nick, did you want to go into more on that? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's wholly about uh, kind of not recognizing any authority above yourself. Um, you know, it, it the, the, the common phrase, no God, no master. It uh, it goes directly into into that kind of mentality uh, where it, it just says, you know, who knows better than me? Um, who knows what I feel? I can my beast and me. We understand what's best for me better than anyone else, you know, possibly could. Uh, and, and I think uh, just following in on those gut instincts and, and desires and exploring them and having that kind of be like the slow trickle of of kind of uh of evil and decadence that 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 pours through you rather than the tidal wave that splashes over after the pool is overfilled is kind of unpacked entirely in the tenets of this path i'd agree i'd agree um does anybody have any other insights they want to go over 
Yeah, definitely. One of them, uh, one thing I definitely do want to mention as well, because this chapter is packed of it and it may impact, you know, the questions that we have are um, the other characters matter here. As I was mentioning this coterie, the reason why is we have Servius Marius Pastula, who is in Nosferatu, and there's a sidebar in here that speaks about what happens after um, Tannibal goes missing. And he starts getting back at high clans um, by setting up these satire plays to like antagonize them, right? Um, and we'll definitely get to that in a second. But the other one is uh, Anconia Messalina. And why she's important is because she actually happens to be um, the first one who creates her own offshoot to that particular um, road. She'll create what is otherwise known as the Path of Pleasure. Um, and I think that's that's something worthy of noting there. Um, Nick, I believe you had something to say about that. Yeah, there's a, there's a particular part in here that that caught my attention. And, uh, and I'm not so sure that, that, that everyone else notices as much as I did, or maybe I'm bringing too much to it. But there's a spot where Micah uh, Vikos is kind of talking about what the Draken says about the second city. And, uh, and he's talking about how it was kind of like this uh, mortals and Canaanites working together in this, uh, this kind of like pox Kana, uh type thing, where it's like a, there will never be anything greater than when vampires and mortals were working together. There was never any better art. There was never any better creations. There was no greater advancements in, uh, in technology. But this does in my mind is hearken to this ideology that will never stop coming back, that they will always need to be a Carthage, whether it's Constantinople, whether it's the second city, whether it's Carthage, whether it's the next place that they try and do this. I think that's an excellent point. And, I, and on par with that is exactly what the, even, even the Asimites were reporting about it, why they even took interest in it, why Rome grew, uh, grew offended vampirically by what was going on with Carthage. But at the same time, DJ already mentioned Camilla. You, you were supposed to be on the road of kings. You, you weren't. You're on the road of desire. You're over here letting Tanith Bale Sahar tell you how it is. How did, how did that contribute to the fall or to the, what happened with Carthage? Did it contribute to it? But we know this much, that even when Carthage fell and if it fell, and the reasons why around it, and probably a hundred different ways to look at it, the blowback was still felt in Rome because of the philosophy that traveled to it, right? To cause contention as well. And I think it has strong, uh, strong insight that you just showed there. I, I agree with you. Uh, but I believe, Mike, you had a comment earlier. Yeah, just just a, a, a little thing as a, as a sidebar, but it was it was personal for me when I was reading this chapter. Um, Nick, you mentioned kind of the religious aspect, and that's that's a, a high point here. A, a lot is um, juxtaposed to the influence of Christianity at the time. Um, and uh, DJ, you mentioned what is her name? Messalina and Pustula. I think Messalina is her name. Correct. Um, it was a big deal to me how the this chapter described their life before meeting Tanith Ball um, and made it clear that you do not have to be a restricted, cloistered um, person of faith, of, of any faith, to come to the road of sin and benefit from it, right? It is about breaking bondages on your mind and bringing you to the best version of yourself by exploring these urges that most people try to um, repress from the beast. And that was, that was profound. It was almost felt like self-care 
do you guys recall uh, Tenth Bar's disappearance? We get into that, right? Supposed to mm-hmm. leave, was called away, everything else. But what about the followers, right? Messalina and Postula and how they met up? Those are like two of the focuses they have. And the important thing about Messalina, if you recall, she was being bred to marry certain people. She mm-hmm. was literally an affluent person to marry off. And that gets interrupted, right? Her awakening is what occurs. It seems very strategic, doesn't it? Strategic to provide unrest, one might say. And why I'm saying that, why I'm saying that is because you also see seeds of this. A lot of people wonder in V5, where did this marriage in the camera come from? Even I did. And I've read this book several times. And when I saw this patches, I was like, oh, good catch. Good catch authors of V5. Because it shows there was already a precedent established of marrying off someone to another line to solidify a political arrangement between clans. Because they were freaking property. That's that's exactly yeah. how they were looked at. But then here comes Tanith Bale Sahara changing everything, and and she dances to a different tune. And then on the backdrop, that it's kind of weird. He Tanith Bale comes to the city, starts playing the flute, and, and walking through, <laughs> and everyone comes out, and the prince goes, "What do you got going on? I'm not showing you. May I stay here?" <laughs> and Camilla's like, "Well, you are cute, and you play a mean flute. Please stay in my own personal garden." Um, what path do you happen to follow sweet one may you have interest in poor old tennis balsa uh-huh it's it's a bali it's a bali that's what they do that's what they do city blows up i'm gone spoilers bob spoilers it's not even a spoiler the book outlines it after everyone's hooked and this new path is developed everyone see my illusion Oh, I have to go. Why? I got a phone call. On what? What's a phone call? I don't know, but my sire's on it, and I have to leave. And Camilla goes like a controlling evil husband. Oh, now you're leaving? We'll take my five best killers to go with you. You take them with you. They'll see you safe and see you to come back. Coming back's the portion I'm talking about. All right, you get back here. Oh, of course. And then while the boat's away, first off, can a vampire drown? Nope. nope. No. Then how the hell does this boat sink and he's gone? Tanith Bill Sahar disappears. <laughs> Listen, Bob. Right? We're not going to go into that. All right. Oh, we don't go in. We don't go into anything. Blindly <laughs> this. I just want you to see it. I just want you to see it. Just mind your business. I'm just trying to say that happens. And look at the unrest that hits Rome. They successfully took Camilla, pitted Camilla against his own clan in the form of the Road of Kings. You now oppose us? Of course I do. I am the prince. Do what I say. And I like. The little flowery guy that was here. And, and where did he go? And then add the fact that Postulus was like, and, and let's not forget that cat. That Nosferatu was straight dedicated, right? Mm-hmm. He was a slave, came up and blah, blah, blah. Then he gets embraced at a weak moment. Then he realizes, oh, my whole family was a slave? Oh, you evil hierarchy bastards. I'm going to get at you rich people. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and here oh, he comes. It's a... Uh... The, the best part is uh is is what is uh what is Pustulus's like amazing talent? Loyalty. Satirical plays attacking the upper class. Mm-hmm. Isn't Preach listen, that's Preach exactly that. what it, that's exactly what he does. Is he he goes out, he does these amazing poems, these amazing plays that do nothing but go to the street corner and mock everybody who's got it. <laughs> John Stewart's everybody. That's, that's that's all yep. he do. That's all he do. And what's even better when when Camilla's like, "We Rome is lost, and we will lose everything." Postula, you love you love the Sahar like I. Can you remember? Do you remember 
And Pasha's like, I will carry this for you. Everyone will remember this road. And you know what the Bali's doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wherever they're at, they're partying up, hands raised, you know, some devil worship, you know, they're doing trying their own to thing. claw out from under their salt grave, right? You say, <laughs> Carthage, you think that was ours? That was you, bro. Eat it, you know. Now we're out here. Oh, you had Rome. Eat it again. But you know, that's that's oh, sort of. That, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe I'm seeing things that's not there, but it clearly, clearly <sighs> outlines some A to Z. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, there's lines. There's lines that can be drawn. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. So lines drawn. Brennan, save us in this conversation. The way is forward, sir. Chapter mm-hmm. two, Carpe Noctum. Seize the night. Yeah, this was, uh, I love the title of this chapter. Because uh, this is all about, um, from uh, uh, Sinner's first steps on the road, even getting to the road, to their place in uh, in Canite society thereafter. And I, um, I, I this is... The recruiting part is my favorite part about this entire book because it talks about um, the the people that they're going after, right? To to recruit, they're not looking for just anyone. Not everyone can be a sinner because not everyone has the the strength of will it, that's required for this road. Uh, it is it is very uh, intensive uh, because of that. They don't um, every road in Dark Ages cares about people who are who are intellectual, can read, who are scholarly, right? But um, Beyond that, what they look for are people who are either strong of will, people who can break those um, those chains that are binding them, or people that are visibly chafing under some uh, restriction, right? Whether that's uh, strictly religious or uh, societal or uh, familial, right? Um, <clears throat> it, it goes into that typically religion is the first bond broken because honestly, that seems easier. Uh, for for most people, right? Some of the ways uh, they would do this in predominantly in Europe, where most of this is set, uh, if they I, would if start. I, can, I apologize, interrupting you. You said that religion is the first bond broken. That makes it easier to bring them on board. That is how they worded that. In what this. do you I don't, think about that? I can see that being uh, the first step beyond. Um, there, there is a a. To me one of the bonds that would have to be broken in this is your bonds to your family, right? Whether that's your sire or you're like your mother or father. I I'm intensely close uh, with my parents, right? Like uh, I can't think of a way that I could ever like betray them. And I think from a sinner's perspective, it would be easier to chip away at religion first. than once you have that first bond broken, the other bonds loosen because of that, because you already have that seed that you're nurturing of you should take what you want. Well, that I, this that fascinates me. It fascinates me because, all right. So we have here you, you, this. I apologize. I understand interrupting is annoying. Um, please try to maintain where you were because I got to dig into this because we have yeah. to have Mike and you here. Mike's deeply religious. Right? Mm-hmm. Mike comes from a religious background. Mike, would it be easier to break a bond you feel between your mother and father or your covenant with God? Um, well, that depends if it's me or if it's somebody else. I'm referring to you, and I know it's a little personal for both of you, but here's. Trust me on this. I have a point. So it would be easier for you to break a bond between me and God. Um, but doing so would dramatically undermine my relationship with my parents because that's where my relationship with God came from. To, to Brennan's point. 
that's deep. And and actually, you're you're exactly right on my on my point. I'm saying that this the author what they outlined for Road of Sin that you can undermine there, but that's sifts morality, folks, is what I'm talking about. And and that's what all the paths and the roads are about. And that morality, if if your mother and father is your safety, and they tell you the reason why everyone's safe is because of God, and then they pour into you the morality and what that means. If they remove something, they fundamentally change the view on something else. And that's what I feel makes this path stand out better than any, or road stand out better than any other, is because it intimately tells you, we're not removing anything, right? As what's already been said, we're not. What we did was bring up to the fact that you're restrictive, you're, you're chased, you're having problems, you're, you're not living to your fullest, and it might be because they told you all these things are in place, but you're safe now, please enjoy. But what does that change? And I want everyone listening to remember that. Listen to this and read this book from the perspective of, could people on this road flip you to a different way of thinking? Is that even possible? And if your answer is no, then think about all the people they could get and why this is effective. I'm sorry, Brendan, if you can remember where you were. We were yeah, just absolutely. after that, man. Please continue. Uh, what I uh, the My next point was going to be that... Um the way they start chipping away at uh, the religious bonds is they go after um, whatever religion's uh, uh, rules are first, right? In Europe, that would primarily be the Ten Commandments. Uh, in um, in Outrimmer, as it's called in the, the Dark Ages setting, in the Middle East and in uh, uh, Northern Africa, they would probably go after like uh, the Five Pillars of Islam, right? Those are the two primary uh, religions at this point. Um, there are, of course, a lot of... Uh, uh, pagan beliefs, but that would be uh, different every time, uh, obviously due to their nature. But they would just start chipping away at that. Just start with one, and it's almost like a checklist. Like, all right, you got, uh, you know, no other gods before me. We'll just put you as number one. Yeah, okay, check, uh, and then just keep on going down through there. <laughs> right? Yeah, I um, I, I really like that. As that is um, I. I I, I just thought it was a great example of like temptation in general of it being slow to start and then building up farther and farther. They, that is what the sinners recruitment is always like. And then they also talk about uh, the, the differences of approach between um, people you're going to embrace or other canines you meet along the way. But uh, quick, Nick, I I'm, Nick, yes, you caught it. Oh, all right. So I, it goes over this section kind of like, uh, you know, that, that way that they chip away, at, at, at you not you know it's piece by piece not not block by block mm-hmm. and uh and it just draws the question uh to it's not a slippery slope they're saying it can't be a slippery slope they they almost they almost literally say that like you've got to slowly step people down step by step into the pit of hell um the question is why why I- entirely why can't it why can't it be a slippery slope why can't somebody just embrace their uh their greater natures and and kind of you know take to this why does it have to be this slow monotonous fall down how many people were lost to learn this lesson dj and to that what i'll say is one of the things that um hasn't been kind of covered just yet but it's worth the importance is uh, originally this is the road of desire this isn't the road of sin it only became the road of sin when mm-hmm. those on the, the road of heaven and the road of kings decided to battle against it. And as a smear campaign, they, yep. they threw that moniker out there. And it's like they say, you can't choose your nickname. You just got to live with it. And because the ruling 
roads there decided that the road of sin was going to be it. Um, there's that stigma above you, right? So going back to what you were inquiring about, Nick, this is the road of desire. The biggest thing to take away for it is the fact that you are coming to terms with your beast because your beast already knew what you wanted. This is an expression of self, right? So it's 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 not a, a slippery slope. It's accepting every single thing. You did this for this reason because you wanted to do it anyway. So we're not taking that away from you. And it's like, oh man, you're right. You know what? You're right. That This is what I wanted anyway. And that's why the, the questioning, right? Um, and especially in the book, the way it, it outlines it, using the Ten Commandments, quote unquote, is the first six. The first one is obviously no other God. What if I am my own God, right? All right, good. Do you accept that? Let's move on to the next. And now you start accepting self instead of being corroded away because you're not being corroded. It's, it's a matter of empowerment. And I think that's where it, uh, it's both seductive and insidious at the exact same time, because I don't view it from the outside portion of like, oh, it's, you know, body created, et cetera. But like, if, if you're bringing this propaganda to me, I'm, it's my choice. And because it is, I just wholly own it. And, and that's how it spreads. It's also worth noting as well, um, Nick, to your point, um, is this is one of the few roads that you'll definitely take a look at. And it'll make you question how every road kind of works out. Everything is the, the actualization of self, but the road of sin, um, and it mentions it somewhere in chapter one, that it, it's a very social road. You need other people on this path to kind of walk you through this process Absolutely. as well, because it, it builds you on. And I thought that was, that was awesome. <laughs> Almost like an AA for that next level of life. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, Brent, I'm to help you out a little bit here because I don't want to, I don't wear out your voice here. Um, it, it does get into a little bit more about uh, sinners in Canadian society, and that's mm -hmm. that's sort of a personal read. I feel that once you get there, you're kind of getting the gist of it. But that's in there. They have how to role play them from the clan perspectives. If you happen to be a sinner, they give a good couch. You know, this is what they're going with. Uh, might be working and might not. Um, one thing I would pay attention to, said I, it's, that's going to be a, it's going to be an eye opener, right? On a lot of levels of what they believe in versus what is sin and, uh, or desire in that, in that occupation that they have where they claim cutting the aeons and all that stuff. Um, but what I want to get to are those factions, guys. And, uh, delivery for everybody, I found this to be fun. We split this up. I wanted everybody to take a section to really kind of dig in, read the paths and kind of talk about the variances, right? We already talked about, the road of sin itself and its base is what the whole podcast is about. But then there are variants, and we we open up with the Via Voluptuarius, which is the, the the road of pleasure deviant, excuse me, and that's a path of pleasure, excuse me. If uh, who wants to take that stab? I'll definitely take a stab at it. So the path of pleasure really extols the self above all mentality, um, and it, it definitely also really lives upon one of the chapters' name, which is Carpe Noctum. You know, take the night. Um, what makes this path different from the main road is that the, the, not only is the self for, like the self being the first and foremost, but nothing should be made not available to you. It is. And, and to me, it's, it's interesting because I see it from the path of the beast. The beast is just being seduced in and out where you'll see the changes in the hierarchy um, are the following. One of them is definitely associating with those who bring you no pleasure. Whereas before um, it is much more conscious about, it's it's so finicky because it is that right it, it's like you are boring no yeah that's not happening and it's just automatically hitting to that beast it's like you know dog comes sniffs you not about that life just keep it moving um <laughs> but it's true <laughs> then the the other one is like uh, any display of modesty at this point in time you are so self-absorbed that it doesn't matter what people think of you um and and at highest level at the highest level the other portion that kind of deviates from the main road 
is feeling shame for any reason. Now, I think, you know, at, at being at this level of Paragon, this changes completely. And why I say that is because on the main road, it's acknowledging any moral restraint. You know, because on the main road, it tells you you are beyond any such weakness of knowing what the world is like around you. But from the perspective of looking at it from someone who is on the path of pleasure, it's no shame. You are what you are, and it's not even that you are acknowledging anything around you. It's the fact that you even repented in your own action, because at that point, you're denying yourself. Um, and I thought that was the most mind-blowing one, the subtle differences between this path versus the main road. And interesting enough, um, Mike, did you have anything to add to this? About the path of pleasure specifically? Yes, sir. Did I forget something? <laughs> uh, yeah, not that you forgot. It was something you, you had uh, said. Um, regarding the fact that uh, maybe the road view, you view them as short-sighted and selfish. Do you still hold to that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, to me, somebody on the path of pleasure, they want they want the icing right off the top of their cake, and they don't want to eat the rest of the dinner, right? You You get the part where I need to explore all the things that my beast wants in order to train it, to get it used to acting in concert with me. Right. But you, you lose some sense of purpose that you get from other paths that we're about to talk to. And you also look. You look like a freeloader on this <laughs> on this organization. Right. It's like I'm here for, for, for the broads and for the, uh, the libations and the bacchanalia. And I'm going to continually do this for the next 300 years, even though I've probably experienced all I could in the first 150 Right. It, they, they feel like they're here for the best parts and they don't add much to the road as an organization other than the obvious social benefits of having the best party in town. DJ, do you agree with that? I'm not going to say no. I mean, that's exactly what it is. The only the only difference <laughs> of it is like and here's where the RP is going to be a little bit interesting is like, what do you do when you've had it all? And then this is what kind of pushes it. But then does this not also live up to those Roman standards or what we see in society when, when you reach the height of something, what's going to entertain you? But rather than boredom, you seek it out. You, you look for something different. You look for something interesting. And to them, that is, that is their life, right? And this is where Messalina took that, that hard turn on the right. She's like, this is for me now, right? Let's look at Messalina as the creator of that path. She was so restricted that the only way out was to do this. And if it's the best expression of her beast, well, then kudos to you. <laughs> Rolling next is another another uh, variation that I'm going to butcher, just so you know. Uh, via Krulitas, or Krulitas, or Krulitas. It's a, I'm pretty sure it's Krulitas. Who was tackled that? He was doing cruelty. I'll jump on this grenade. Um, Path of Cruelty is... Uh, it's sadistic, I guess is the best way to put it. You can, uh, you can draw each individual path here as kind of like a uh, an original sin of some sort uh, tying to a, a very nature pull of the beast that uh, that you know would uh, manifest when when you kind of switch onto this road with this it's definitely wrathful um, to say vengeance is in your heart is a, is another one they have a beautiful saying at at one part in this book and and what they say is um they milk themselves of their own venom that they not poison their own souls and revel in their freedom from conscience and compassion. It, it essentially means that through these horrific acts to other people, 
I want to I want to make that abundantly clear. These horrific acts to other people where they have no compassion, no mercy, um, and they uh, they they basically like like almost like a toddler child uh, twist this uh, this soul wrenching hurt into other people, and, and because they they have that outlet, they can act like a normal person for the majority of their time. But when they get their attention on you, and oh boy, do they turn their attention to you, <laughs> they take their time. It's almost, it's, <laughs> there's actually a, a part of it that says killing too quickly or without necessity is, uh, is, is against the hierarchy on, uh, on this path. It's, uh, it's quite simply saying, if you don't enjoy this fruit as long as you can, then, uh, then what are you even doing here? It's an interesting, interesting variant there uh, with cruelty. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with it, but there is something I want to throw out there. And again, we're going to go to Mike. Um, Mike, it is you who said this path basically is archetypically sadistic, psychopathic, and methodical. And I would challenge that in so far, but I'm going to take me out of it. Nick said what he said. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, there's a place for it. Right, the book describes people like people on this variant of being useful as your your scourges and your sheriffs. Um, sometimes you need a hate monger in the crew because there's things they're good at and they enjoy. Um, but I see these guys as having all the problems of that I see with Path of Pleasure, and then you add to that on top, they didn't have no daddy and nobody loved them, and so rather than like just reveling. They need to pour hate on top of other people to feel good about themselves. And while I can see how somebody would come to that, there's a reason why their own roadmates don't fuck with these people. They don't. Yeah. Once you figure out somebody's one of these guys, you just, you know, give me, give me 50 feet in an ounce of space. Because is that, eh. What, what I'm going to tell you, just this insight I got here, just listening to it and, and reading it a couple times, I have guilty. Um, I've played Road of uh, or Path of Pleasure, and I've played Path of Cruelty. And when I got to tell you, I found they're one and the same. Yep, they're one and the same, right? Because it comes Big from facts. this. It comes from the same perspective, boredom, right? It comes from ennui. It comes from I've I've. If you don't have any sort of physical stress to worry about, right? You never nobody pays attention if they're sweating or how they're out of breath or if they're achy in the morning or whatever. That stuff fades when you get distracted the rest of the day. But what if that was completely taken away from you entirely? And you're just this body walking around, right? And you never experience exertion and whatnot. It begins to open up that the mortal experience could still go past that and understand what true pleasure is. And that, you know, honestly, I think anybody, if you do something and it gives you pleasure, you're going to keep doing it until it doesn't. And you're going you're gonna to get bored of it. And you're going to push that, that boundary, that envelope to go ever higher exploring just how deep it goes but it has been said that at the height of pleasure that numbing experience you can get there through pain the same way and you start to wonder right now you're saying bob isn't that more of a masochist you have to understand if that's true and so before and i believe it was it was dj who said you have to, you have to experience it to talk about it to know about it if you don't know yourself then how are you going to know how to inflict it well, but there is a truth that after I've experienced the heights of pleasure myself, I do know what the pain's going to be. And so I inflict it accordingly because this is a selfish-based path, right? So to me, that variant, this almost reads like stages, 
Would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. I was I, I had actually just made a note. I was gonna get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, you had some. Yeah. Uh to to even piggyback on that, um, I think all except one of these paths are are quite the same way in that they are just uh I wouldn't say they're entirely separate paths in any way, shape, or form from this road. They're all they're kind of just like tendencies while you're on this road. You could you could switch between this path and that path, depending on how your mood strikes you in whatever millennia you're in uh, or, or given century or, well, if it's Tuesday and it's the Bacchanalia tonight uh, <laughs> type thing. It, it, no, in all seriousness, there's uh, every one of these hierarchy of sins fits very snugly under the ethics and uh, and the hierarchy of the entire road. So it, it, it kind of... Uh, it, it kind of strikes me as like, does there really even need to be these uh, these different leanings um, other than inspiring to your player? Hold that thought, um, because I think the person on Via Adversarius is going to, and I said that right, and Via Adversarius uh, is going to shed some light on this on the, the Path of the Devil. Who's tackling that? I'll take that one. So uh, Path of the Devil, this is the, um, well, they take their name from uh, uh, Creation's First Rebel. Right. They are uh, the the angry, wrathful uh, beast uh, for the uh, well, of the sinners. They are um, they they break a certain a norm we've seen thus far with the other sinners in that there is some concern with those outside of themselves with uh, with uh, followers of uh, Path of the Devil. They actively, actively fight against um institutions they believe are unjust which in this time it's virtually every form of government whether that's mortal or um or immortal right they rebel against the high clans and those that rule them uh practically everywhere um it doesn't necessarily always have to be uh martial although that is the vast majority it seems um but it's not always just for themselves they believe they have a duty to also free um that uh no will or soul should be enslaved by others. And that is their, that is the torch that they carry. Now, others, do they have a definitive ethics? Like if you had to state clearly the ethics of this path, what would they be? Yeah, certainly. Uh, they, they have uh, their own additional ones. It is um, the first one is that you belong to yourself. You have no master other than you. The other one is that your most valuable possession uh, also, this also ties in with the first one, really. Uh, your most valuable possession more than anything else on this world is your own free will, and do not allow others to defile that, whether with like blood oaths or in any other way. Uh, and the third one, uh, something I touched on a little bit before, is destroy that which enslaves uh, the souls and wills of others, whether that's a threat to you or even a threat to other people. Uh, they also have another um, uh, certain ethic, I, I think that really goes along with... Um, the third one in that uh, if you see a lost soul in aid, they have a, a, a duty to help them. They, uh, those who are struggling to understand who they are and what they are, they shouldn't just be left like babes in the woods uh, as, as food for the wolves, right? There is some instruction that they would give. Uh, also, another note, um, <laughs> what, what I really liked about these guys is that uh, in the road of on the road of sin, uh, that road does not tolerate uh, infernalism, and so that when one on that road is found, it's the adversaries that are sent out to hound them down and uh, remove that problem. 
that's two important points to note. The first one relates directly to the followers of said, would you agree, DJ, in that they're trying to remove all control and shackles over oneself? It is. And it's interesting because, as was mentioned before, uh, Tenet Balsahar did travel the world before settling in Carthage. And at one point he did visit Memphis and he was around Alexandria as well. And as he spent his time amongst those followers of Set, um, he did take certain points about it. You know, being able to remove the shackles of certain things. Not only, you know, the, the main portion that they took back with them, obviously, was the beast. Um, the portion about removing the shackle over the beast. But it also was removing the shackles of those that have it around you. Um, and to lead into that, the funny part is for what Tanabal Sahar is and how he brings this over, you have a, a, a path that directly counters infernalism and to not serve any masters. And yet at the same token, it's also written in the book in a sidebar somewhere where it mentions most folks on the road to sin, if not one of the major things that they carry with them is break shackles. They're not about blood bonds. They're not about like putting someone under those shackles themselves. And yet, you know, we take a look at their founders. What does that say? True. And then to the second part ahead, it relates directly to the Bali too, because it tells you that they go after infernalists. However, I remind you, Bali are not infernalists, right? They can be. They're the clan that wouldn't have a problem if they needed to, to shackle up and do what they do, but they are not inherently infernal. And that's what makes this unique, right? You have two clans devoted to freeing people from control. One was branded, just like this path was branded, it's Road of Desire, and it's branded Road of Sin, right? We don't like it, so it's sin, and we're going to kill you now. Sort of the same thing they applied to the Bali, right? It's the same deal. Now, I'm not saying the Bali are by any means downtrodden and can. The guys are nasty. I mean, look at... Comes in and wrecks everything, right? That's what they do. They wreck shop. But he didn't have to be infernal. This they literally used the truth. He came right. in and say, why are you shackled? Don't be. Be yourself. You want to do that? Do it. Do it till you don't like it and then don't like it. Move on. Try something else. And that's all of it. And Road of the Devil, like, it's cool to see that adversaries just kill those who would bond themselves willingly, shackle themselves to any one being. And naturally, the Infernalists are going to be what they hate to hunt down and do that too. Yep. But mm -hmm. there's another variation here. And this one is very... uh. It, it always shocks me. Uh, we're looking at here, it screams here, Mike. You want to help me out at Via? Because this word is Via Curatari? Curatari? Yeah, Curatari, yeah, that's how I would have pronounced it for sure. Harry um, Carey? <laughs> so Path of Screams, man. Path of Screams is the no-no place, right? The book doesn't even play hide the ball. This is the path that you have come to if you have fucked up in life and the ST has decided not to make you a wife. Uh, this path <laughs> is where you end up if you fail at some other aspect of being a sinner and are not otherwise rescued. Um, this is also the path of infiltrators that are infernalists uh, into the organization of the road of sin. Because the book specifically describes most of the time when you have somebody on path of screams, they're pretending to be something else. Right, but they're not that thing. They are devoted uh, in a way that's that's antithetical to everything we've seen up to this point about what the the road of sin is about. It's 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 not about uh, self care, right? It's not about exploring what what the beast has for you. It's it's not about um, oh, why 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 is my vocabulary leaving me right now? Um, it's not about being an adversary to people who would bring others into bondage, right? right. It's not even about um, specifically 
exploring what pain can do for you and, and somebody else. Hold up, hold up, hold up. We said a lot of what it's... Then, then what are the ethics of this path, then? Like, very clearly, what is that? I will read them to you word for word, but they boil down to rebellion. This is an excellent path for somebody who um, wants an excuse to run roughshod over a game and, and, and do whatever they want. I'm At the highest... Wrong opinion that you have on this, sir. Please hit me. Hit me. <laughs> what, we got? what are the ethics? Uh, acknowledging the laws of God or man is the highest level, right? That's that's ten. Um, failing to indulge your desires, um, failing to ride the wave of a frenzy. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is this is the hierarchy of sin. The ethics are: uh, you are damned and you serve hell on earth. Virtue is a lie. Defile and devour those who claim to possess it. Um, Hang on a second. Hang on. Slow that down a little bit because these seem vastly different. Right. Okay. So do that, do right. that first right. one again. You are damned, and you serve hell on earth. Okay, that's, that's the first one. Whoa. Right. You serve hell on earth. Is is that not infernalism? It's totally infernal. Hmm. Okay. But, but it, wait a minute. Did, it seems, didn't it, it say seems like, facially infernal? What's that, Nick? But but didn't it say at, at the beginning on the on the road to sin that we don't serve anybody? Yeah, that's what it said. But why are yeah. we serving people? Because this path does not belong here. And if you ask any it sinner just, not on this path, they'll tell you the same I thing. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Yes. This, 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 is not, this is not from the road. This is your signpost if you haven't noticed all the Bali breadcrumbs at this point in the book. It's your signpost. <laughs> so, right? I, I have a question for you, Mike, on this. Do you think the reason why this is here is because Path of Screams hides pretending to be another path or the road of sin? Is that why this is in this book? I think that is why the authors put this in this book, yes. Okay. Isn't... I got the impression reading this book that uh, the road of sin is not welcomed everywhere. So <laughs> why would they be hiding inside a road that's also not welcome everywhere? Um, Because this is where you might get away with it. <laughs> do, do you guys remember the tale of new lacedaemonia ah uh, yes 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 do you want to do you want to go into that tale a little bit here uh is is as best as i can recall it a lacedaemonia is sparta um by another name um inside this there is a uh, a prince who is a sinner and piece by piece these uh <laughs> these path of screams Bali come in here and start stripping away different things and inviting more Bali in here until slowly his entire infrastructure and in, and in, in, uh, in powerhood just starts slinking away into this uh, infernal debauchery. Mm. Now, yeah. that that is interesting. Hang on, hang on, hang on. That was one ethic, by the way, that caused all that. Give me number two, Mike. Number two, virtue is a lie. Defile and devour those who claim to possess it. So virtue's a lie. So if virtue's a lie, then how can we know what is worth enjoying? And do we label it? Do we even know what that is? I will reiterate, this path does not belong here. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, all right. I'm just, I'm just extrapolating what's that what so, because So what a, what a real sinner would say is that you need virtue, some kind of virtue, not necessarily a particular faith, but you need some kind of virtue as a frame of reference. You also need it as a mooring for the man who shares your personhood with your beast, right? These people 
would just skip all of that and say, stay over here. <laughs> right? All that virtue, that's for those weak asses. We're going over here to the party. We're going to stay at the party and we're going to summon Abaddon to Earth and, <laughs> you know, party all the time. Right? All right. All right. Anybody got a counter? DJ, please. I, I definitely do have a counter. And the counter is, if anything at all, this is the only one line that even yeah. puts them on par with the other paths. Because it is true from the perspective, not only of folks on the road to sin, but you'd also argue from the perspective of some Sedites as well. But the whole point is that virtue, what, what they construct as virtue, is just another shackle. It's something that's currently in there that's pausing you from being able to do what you yourself as a canine should be able to do to, to live the way you should be able to live. To. Ah, but my DJ, without virtue, what are we? Someone on the road beast. Right now, that's that's an interesting go-to, right? Even if you said that, uh, the, they espouse what on Road of the Beast? What do they hold as virtue? Things like curves, things like uh, uh, what is it? Uh, honor is probably another one. Well, their version, yeah, right. Sure. Definitely re- upholding a, a law of nature, right? A force of yeah. nature. They're primordial, but at the same time, that also shows us that virtue depends on the person. Right? You see what it is? Because what's the second True. part of that? We do away with virtue, but what's the other part, Mike? Uh, we did away with virtue, and we also said we're going to defile and devour those who claim to have it. Now, they're not saying do away with their virtue. They're saying do away with your virtue. Do you hear what I'm saying? Mm. Right? We definitely have a way of being in a morality of who we are, no matter how vile it is. So we're going to go around and kick yours right out the park. Right. Remember, this is called Path of Screams. You can't forget that. This is all about going through. And just like you said with uh, with Sparta, we're going here to ruin wreck shop. And how we do that is we got to remove your way of seeing the world and convert. And that's that's what converter dot really is what that's saying. And that's and that's that's on par. Nick, what you got? Um, it runs through like uh, on the last uh, the last bit of the ethics is that uh, freedom, like free will is is not real. Right. It, it almost alludes to this idea that the voice of your beast is not your own, but in fact, hell speaking to you. So by following the instincts of your beast, you're already serving your true masters. Now the quiz. What other Mm. clans did the exact same thing? La Sombra. Really? Now, if you remember, they were referring to Oblivion, right? And oh, there's a specific group, mm. the Angelus Ater, who said uh, that what Oblivion <laughs> is, right? You would, I don't even need yeah, to finish it. They said yeah. the exact same thing. So now you see just how far these Bali... Remember, that means Teneth Bela Sahara must have... <laughs> what's, what's this that you're wielding? Obtenebration? Is darkness not another part of hell? <laughs> and Lasamba were like, "That's a good point. Write that down. That, that. <laughs> Write that we, down. We, we were there, right? It's, Who's it's, taking notes? Right there. Get his we're, number. Keep that guy. We're just gonna have to name this guy Flute Boy Sugar Shorts. Tricky <laughs> 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 one that guy is. Oh, All right. Man. All right. So I figured we got through that, and uh, and pretty much this leads us to Mike right up your alley. Um, Paths of Desire, Chapter Three. What do we got? And 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 to help you, this is a lot of crunch. So let's go over the points that you saw that were of interest to anybody listening. Okay. Um, so the way this chapter opens up is, okay, it feels like it's a little bit of a primer. Like if somehow Road of Sin is your first book, 
and you need some advice, storytelling, getting your, your chronicles together, planning out a few sessions, it tells you you can give some chronicles for centers and some chronicles that are ideological and some road stuff. If you need that, it's there. Um, <laughs> they also go on to uh, talk about the, the paths a little bit and give you some advice um, on how you might construct a character like down to the dots. You know, you, you might want to be a little charismatic. Uh, you, you might think about obfuscate once you get to the discipline because you need to be able to, woohoo, I'm gone. My favorite Go part of you, Mike, and I'm going to hit you with this bus. My boy Mike said, and I quote, the path of cruelty is just the path of pleasure, BDSM edition. And the bodily campus <laughs> really describes subdivisions of infernalist philosophy. Shouldn't there have been a road of screams there? I, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, Mike, I felt that. I felt you. I was, I was getting there. <laughs> I was just, I'm just getting there now because I'm sitting here going, yeah, yeah, no, this is good. Let's just, well, let's do it. When, because I feel like so this road of screams, I you can you could play a character that would not be toxic at your table on this path. I feel it could be a road. It's got that much fertility. It just shouldn't be in this book. <laughs> you just you just don't disagree. Okay, you just disagree. It's there. All right, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I ain't gonna say I ain't gonna say no to that. But uh, what are you talking about when you say no whammies? Okay. So there's these section, this section on disciplines, right? As a player, I have a long history of people hitting me with dominate and presence and, and it being a bad time, right? <laughs> now you, you learn how to get around that from experience. I'm not going to spoil it for people who haven't encountered that yet. But this discipline called Ward the Soul Sanctity, I have nicknamed it No Whammies, right? <laughs> because what it's for... Is when somebody tries to, by supernatural means, mess with your brain, you get a tingly sensation on the back of your neck, and depending on whether you got the fancy version, it might also reflect back on them, which is very practical, especially if you spend your time in the uh, what is it, the the, uh, the courts of love, right? There's a, a center presence there. But I can see how somebody might end up using this this combo discipline, but. And this is for all my cane bros. It costs 21 XP. Double it. If I got to choose between this and 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 the the fourth dot of a discipline, I'm sorry, dog. I'm, I'm not. Nah, so nah, let bro. me help you out yep. with that on like the uh the MET <laughs> section, because I was reading through those for this section. Uh 21 ain't nothing in any of the LARPs I've played for uh uh vampire that is uh much more reasonable i don't i'm actually not sure about the conversion uh from tabletop at the time uh to now well it's a conversion but, this is gonna remember you would be accurate there was an earlier version where they did it differently but they're now at this point because of the revised edition coming out they're moving towards more of an met bent and so mm -hmm. they made them universal meaning so suddenly if it's 21 xp here it's going to match there but gotcha. you're correct you point it out in the Cambro section, it ain't hard for me to earn 21 XP in LARP. What is that? A couple scenes are going to do well. Help the storyteller's plot. Wink at the mm -hmm. cute girl. High five to Prince. And, and, save, and save some dude on the side who was new. Cool. I'll even bring a soda. I'll get that extra XP. Yep. I mean, and again, you know, just for, from a mathematical perspective, it, we're still talking about inflation, right? So however easy or difficult it is to get 21 XP, that doesn't change what 21 XP pays for in the book. Hmm. Right? So if if you could get 21 XP by snapping your fingers, you could still use it for something better than 
a problem you sh- really should be role playing around if we're going to be honest. Okay, okay. Nick, what you got? Kane, bro, I am falling asleep. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> 21 XP, whatever. Who cares? There's an entire section in this chapter that you just didn't care about, which is the most important section in this chapter, which is where they talk about how your individual abilities and disciplines aid you in role-playing this path. Yeah, fair enough. And I'm getting to that too. That we have had diversions, but what I'm saying <laughs> is that if I am the king, bro, bro, if I am, what I'm saying I'm is, to, never mind that. <laughs> if I am trying to get the value out of my sheet, I'm trying to ring this for what it's worth. I need to min-max this mug. This is not what I'm spending 21 XP on. Now, you'll see, I did make a note that a, a, an ability like this is kind of a must-have on Path, uh, on path of the Devil because you are slamming yourself head-on into the, the adversity, right? The, the institutions that try to keep the, the sinners down. So I could see it, right? You, you might pay for that here, especially if, you know, you from the start where you were a rip-roaring bruja and you might not need help with some other more practical stuff. It's not that there's no application. It's right. just that there's a lot I could do. So is there something in here, Mike, um, Cambro perspective, just keep that on, that you find would be useful that everybody would know other than that? I mean, that is a useful one, especially if no whammies is the goal. But is it, you got a number two? Um, looking at what we have here, the one that I would much rather have. No, Mike, you know what? Scrap that. I don't care what you would have. You nicknamed this like a virgin. What are we talking about? <laughs> what are you referring to, sir? Okay. So there's this other discipline called record, recall, sensation, right? You need all specs three or four. You need vicissitude two. And what it basically lets you do is what, what it says. You can record a feeling, but from the description of the combo discipline, it's, it's basically about being that heroin addict who can get that first hit again. And again and again. If Michael Vikos had it in 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 that brothel monastery, he would have used it and never ever forgot the sensation with that guy. Or, and this kind of stood out to me again. I, 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 it was strange in this book. All right. Because if I'm a sinner who is supposed to be exploring, right, giving my beast access to to all that it wants so that I can learn to, to cohabitate with it, why would I ever want to record a sensation and play it over and over again, right? Because even though it'll feel the same way, it won't be new. It won't be a, a new thing that, that takes the edge off my beast. And now I understand why you said, if you're a torturer and you do this, you're a hack who should be fired. Very well put. <laughs> well put. You had something to say, sir. Well, it's not even just that. You can also give that to other people. Right. So, I mean, that uh, that also slams your your initial argument on the uh, why not save this for somebody else. But I think also what plays into this great is veil the sin, which is where you uh, you're you're old. You call it in Cambro language. Marriage counseling. (laughs) That's correct. It's marriage counseling. The, Why the, is this marriage fucking, counseling? The chapter literally says there's a sensation that doesn't satisfy you anymore and you need to forget it so you can enjoy it again. Holy shit, Mike. Come on, bro. 
<laughs> Who wrote this book and was working out their personal? Come on, man. Mike. <laughs> Look, it's the road of sin, right? I'm expecting to get here and and have this be some fancy permutation of burning wrath for my path of devil people, like some kind of big dramatic illusion stuff for my path of screams people. And these people are out here working out. Why when she rubs it, I don't like it anymore. Like, <laughs> Mike, I, I wonder if that's more if that's more an inferring that? problem than an implication. You know right? what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, I thought if anything was going to be like a virgin, it was going to be this, right? Because it's a new uh, experience where you're like, nah, marriage counseling, you done ruined it all. Okay, okay. On that, that note, folks, uh, this chapter does get in uh, deeper down into like artifacts and texts and merits and flaws. But uh, we could kill another hour with the Canebro version, which I hope you appreciate that. I, I, definitely, I, I know done. we do. I wasn't done. I know you were not, but an interesting time. Yes, DJ. So I do have one question for you, Bob, and this is perhaps something that, especially the one section, right? And I wonder your your infinite wisdom here, having played so much longer. It goes over the, the list of discipline spread, right? And the top mm-hmm. three disciplines that it wants uh, a sinner to look after are aspects, obfuscate, and presence. But when we take a look at that, obfuscate, presence aren't there two clans that specialize in this one of them uh, being yeah <laughs> uh, yes yes there is yes there is um obfuscating presence well there, there's two clans right like you said so you get the bali and you have of course the uh, uh followers of sect mm-hmm. and that's and that's what has it i, I gotta tell you though that's my proof why Tanith Bob set all this up. <laughs> I ain't saying uh, no, but I'm saying, and then from, from a perspective of it, you right? You mean um, Flute Boy Sugar Shorts. Flute Boy Sugar boy. Shorts, right? And, <laughs> but from the perspective of a player, from the perspective of a player, um, why not then play a Bali or a Sedite, right? Where do you start to finesse this into the character that you want to play and why? As much as I want to dive into that, I'm going to let Nick tackle that. Because it is a question of uh, player development, but I think, Nick, you're very good at this, too. I want you to take a crack at it. What do you think? Um, I, to be honest with you, uh, the thing that really strikes me about both those clans is that uh, fundamentally, they're conversion clans or can be conversion clans in one way, shape, or another. To try and tie them down directly to that... Uh, um, that that discipline spread, I think, is uh is kind of soft minded on that. I can't, I'm well, sorry. I'm sorry. I looked ahead. I agree with you. I apologize, everyone. <laughs> you literally described Tenneth Bill Sahara as Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, but with the voice of Bobby Caldwell. My man, Mike. My man, Mike. Oh. That's who he is, bro. That's who he is. <laughs> Oh He's, man! If you read this, this are we there yet? Uh, I can go into it. Just, just, just go, go, just go, go. So the description of him in Phoenicia. This is also the part of the book where they stop playing hide the ball and say he's actually a Bali. He is this worship leader <laughs> bail. in a in a haha. What you did there? He's a worship leader in a temple to some Phoenician god, Mercado, whatever the hell. And they say he he, he draws the attention of his sire Tanith because of his beautiful voice, right? So she comes and she pretends to be a god and says, do you not admire my splendor? And he's like, uh, nah, 
Nah, why the, why the brazers ain't never lit? And why the floor always dirty? And starts complaining about little intellectual pedantic nitpick stuff. But apparently he can sing, though. He can like sang, sang. Like Bobby Caldwell, you know, the guy who you thought was Stevie Wonder? Oh, man. It's a oh, man. That's not Stevie Wonder. That's Bobby Caldwell, for those who don't know. <laughs> and he just serenades her, and she's impressed, and, and she decides she's going to embrace the little smart, arrogant, rude singer boy in the, in the temple. <laughs> just on a humbug. My man. My man. <laughs> On that note, I think all that need be said, done, been said. Um, there, are, there are noteworthy followers here, like Micah Vikos. You remember Mary the Black is cited in here. Tanith Bal, Sahar, of course, Camilla, um, Gervais, Bonnie Tremir. There's, there's a ton in here that they mention and go through briefly, but that, that yeah. is the road of sin. In interest of time, we did, we did our dead set best to go through this with you. I sincerely hope it was a joy to listen as it was to be a part of this with you guys. Uh, I had fun. I always do. Um, does anybody have any parting comments before we let folks go? It's definitely a pickup. Uh, this was my first time reading it, and it's it was amazing to read. It was great. Yeah. And um, to to all the 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 players who really want to get their storyteller to let them play a Bali, read this cover to cover, and then read it again and take notes and make sure you understand it because even the way the authors did it puts you in the right mindset. How they again? How they bury the lead on Tannin Ball until the ninetieth page? <laughs> it it puts you where you need to be to play a Bali that a storyteller will appreciate storytelling for. Agree. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I if that's what you're trying to do. I would I would use this uh, this book for anything, any sect, any clan. Uh, just the the precepts in here and the negotiations with the beast are solid gold. Don't sleep on this book at all. I would agree, Nick, in the aspect of if you were trying to figure out how to play a villain and uh, need to understand the mindset of what one might be, this book definitely prepares you for the mindset, at least to rifle through uh, different types, stereotypical types, I might add, like Dr. Claw to get Inspector Gadget on you. <laughs> for those of you who might be 40, like myself, you can get mm -hmm. that reference. Um, but uh, the there's there's a key villains here you know, that you can get from this. There's also... Psych villains. What I mean by that is not psych as in mentality, as in you thought they were a villain, but they just think differently. Mm -hmm. Right? And this is good for mm -hmm. that too. And so from a storyteller, even player development angle, that's that's what Nick's getting, that's what I'm getting, and it's very good for that. Uh, but I'm curious, Bruntron, is this book as it is of value to the Minds Eye Theater scene? Yes, absolutely it is. Uh just um man, I would say just for the recruitment aspect alone of being able to like uh, guide a player through that while they're in, in game and having that act that out, or even better in my eyes, have a, have a player that's already on this path and then them guiding another player through this. I would, that is something I want to run. Maybe not this exact uh, path, but something, something similar to it. Uh, I would use this in mind's eye theater and I can even see many things in this book being useful in Requiem. Or, or in a lot of different parts. So for me, this is definitely a, a, a pickup. And DJ, you have a question? One last thing on my end. Uh, it was a very, very small nugget that was very nestled in the earlier chapters. If you are going to play a Ravno, the road of sin, that, that the whole splat on it, this is the one redeeming thing for any person that wants to play a Ravno and play them to... to you know, have that that bearing on you. Rotisin for Ravno over Rota Paradox 
it's very self-serving it, it gives you a new perspective of how to actually play that clan without making them feel silly or out of the way i just thought that was that one piece of nugget for that paragraph alone it's worth picking up for me that is a bizarre nugget but i will let it stand um that's uh <laughs> that's gonna have to be that way um but thank you folks for checking this out we are at time gentlemen no more questions please as well <laughs> we'll save it for the st circle and of course we got another book coming this week to be doing as well and we'll all have that out to you folks thanks for listening and uh we appreciate you guys stopping by Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade.